Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Welcome everyone. Well, as if parenting wasn't hard enough, Dr. Jennings is with us today via Skype to shine a bright light on an often overlooked element of being someone's mom or dad. But don't worry, you're not in this alone. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? Well, you know, we're going to talk about today how, in God's design, parents are to represent and do represent God to their children. Wow, yes. In Psalms 103.13, It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And Isaiah 66, 13 says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And so God uses this metaphor of father and mother to represent him. And so I wanted to walk through a progression of God's creation and interaction with humanity and how parents step into that role in how we deal with our children. So by God's design, parents stand in that role, and parents' first act in the role of God is to be their procreators. God created Adam and Eve in Eden, and God gave parents, humans, the ability to procreate beings in our image. Mm -hmm. And so our first God-like act is to actually come together in the union of love, giving of ourselves, literally giving material of ourselves to create new life as God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came into unity and created Adam and Eve in Eden to start with. So our first God-like act is the loving act of selfless giving that brings new life. As Adam and Eve entered into life, the first full day, they entered into a Sabbath rest in a loving relationship with God immediately after their creation. So also infants upon birth immediately enter into the loving arms of their parents, resting in their tender care, who are devoted to their nurturance and constant protection. Just as God provided a garden home for Adam and Eve as a place of discovery, learning, and insight, so godly parents provide homes enriched with resources to nurture, inspire, comfort, challenge, intrigue, thrill, and educate, and to develop their children in balanced and harmonious ways. Just as God filled the garden with food perfectly designed for health of the human being, so loving parents provide nutrition designed for their child's health and well-being. Just as God brought the animals to Adam to name, so also parents provide opportunities for their children to apply themselves, even though the parent could do the activity better. Mm, interesting. The love of the parent, like God's love for Adam, rejoices to see their child apply themselves and grow and develop, and they share the glee, smile, laugh, and joy of their child's new discoveries and every success. Just as God provided useful labor for our first parents to develop and advance their skills, abilities, talents, and wisdom, so godly parents provide age-appropriate, useful labor for their children because loving parents know that without application, without exertion, without the investment of time and energy, there is no development. Mm -hmm. 
just as God provided the tree of knowledge in good and evil, so that Adam and Eve could choose for themselves what they would know, not to know cognitively, not to know facts, but to know by experience. For instance, would they choose at that tree to know through experience, love, loyalty, devotion, trust in God, faithfulness, maturity, reliability, or would they choose to know by experience, fear, selfishness, rebellion, guilt, shame, and terror? So also, godly, loving parents know that real love requires freedom and train their children to love and trust, but they also know that when age-appropriate, their children must be set free to choose for themselves what they will know in their heart, mind, and character. Will they know good? Will they know Jesus and make him their heart's first desire? Will they choose to know God's methods, or will they know evil? And will they choose selfishness and know rebellion and lawlessness with all its pain, suffering, guilt, shame, and turmoil? Just as the Lord disciplines those he loves— so also loving parents discipline their children, teaching them right from wrong, healthy from unhealthy, good from evil. But just as God's discipline is in love, never with loss of self-control or out of frustration or impatience and never abusive, so godly parents will discipline in love patiently, thoughtfully, with discipline specifically designed to be redemptive to their child, to teach them the root word of discipline is to disciple, to lead, to teach their children to humble repentance and development of godly character, to help them grow and mature, to one day be self-governed individuals who carry the image of their heavenly father in all they do. And just as God said in Isaiah 118, come now, let us reason together and wants his children to develop their individuality, to become mature people who are able to weigh the evidences and distinguish good from evil. So too, godly parents teach their children how to use their God-given faculties to think, to weigh evidences, to make mature decisions, to discern right from wrong. Godly parents do not simply teach their children a list of rules to obey, but they teach them why the rules were necessary when they were small and understand the reasons and how things work so that they can make wise decisions when they haven't been told a rule. Mm -hmm. And just as Jesus invited his disciples into understanding friendship in John 15, 15, so also loving parents do all of this so that one day their children will grow up to be understanding, mature, trustworthy friends of God, and thereby be individuals who no longer need to be parented, for they will have the mind of Christ and are self-controlled with the last fruit of the Spirit. Parents stand in the role of God to their children. It is an incredible privilege and responsibility that we can do effectively by seeking God's wisdom in our life and surrendering ourselves to God, or we can do abusively. And sadly, in my experience, I have so many patients that come to me where their parents have been abusive. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Dr. Jennings, that what you just listed is beautiful, and it is a high, high standard 
that gives us a standard that we know will work for God and it's going to work for us too. That's very good news. Well, that's exactly right. This is why this is here. I mean, every one of these. Now, does that mean that, for instance, godly parents provide nutrition that is good for their children? Does that mean godly parents never allow a child to eat something that may not be the most nutritious mm. for them? No, that's not what I said. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. say they never allow them to have candy. Mm-hmm. Godly parents. There's a wide range in their understanding of what is healthy. The point is the motive, not the act. A godly parent is making decisions to provide the best food they can for their child. And how about if that godly parent lives in Somalia during a famine and the yeah. only thing they have is chicken and white rice? Yeah. But they yeah. give chicken and white rice, but they don't give any vegetables or fruits but because they don't have them. They're still a very godly parent providing the best nutrition available for their child. Amen. Or a godly parent in America who is not very educated on the best nutrition, but picks what they understand as the best nutrition, they're still doing the best they can for their child. They're a very godly parent. So in your mind and in my mind, and I'm probably thinking in God's mind, it's our attempt to do the best we can with what we have that makes a difference. That is what brings us into the presence of God in satisfaction on his part. Across the landscape, it's our motive and intention, Ah. not the specific task and how we carry it out, versus the patients who have had whose parents put whiskey in their bottle when they were babies, or parents who, when they were five years old, started smoking marijuana with the five-year-old and and got them addicted, or parents who molested or abused their kids. This is all abusive. There's no parent that puts whiskey in a child bottle who actually thinks it's healthy for the child. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well then I understand this, that we as parents, when we start out on this journey, we look at this list that you gave, we see how God cares for us, and that is our goal. And we just do the best we can to reach as many as we can, or to at least bring about as many positive results as we can as that child grows and becomes a man or woman, right? So what we do is we recognize that we stand in the role of God. Yes. And all these things that I said are secondary to the ultimate goal, and that is to reveal God to our children. Mm, Beautiful. That is the goal of all of it. How do you relate to your child? Do you relate with them with consistency, reliability, compassion, truth, love, constancy? Are you revealing a God by being a parent who is trustworthy? Are you revealing a trustworthy God because you're a trustworthy parent? Are you revealing a inconsistent, unreliable, unpredictable, anger-controlled problem God because you are unreliable, unpredictable, you don't keep your word, you say you'll do it and don't, et cetera, et cetera. That all of these things, I'm showing you different areas in our existence where we specifically act in the role of God as delegated to us by God, but the ultimate purpose is to reveal God to our children, and thus we influence their ability to trust God or not. We can put barriers in the way, or we can make it easier for them to come to know God in their own experience. When I look back on my own upbringing, I had very godly parents, and they were working very hard, and I recognized later down the road that, yes, they made mistakes, but somehow those mistakes dim in their attitude of trying to be good and be godlike for me. Their love for me and their attempt to be godlike as best they can in a sinful world overrides any mistakes they've made. And I think that may be the same for other kids. Am I, am I right in saying that? And then, yes. And now what you're describing is you're describing the motivation of the heart to love, not the specific efficiency in carrying out a task. Mm-hmm. And when we make mistakes that are born out of genuine love and well-being for the other person, those mistakes are received generally with grace and understanding. Even if we disagree with the action that was taken, we appreciate the person who loved us enough to 
take an action that they thought would be beneficial. All right, attention parents out there, there's good news for you. You now know the standard, but you also know the love that God has for you, and that same love needs to be for your children. You're going to make mistakes, you're going to have errors of judgment, but the love can override that. You're doing the best you can with what you have. All right, Dr. Jennings, in closing here, we have a couple of minutes left on the program. How does a parent begin this? You, you gave this big, long list, and it's beautiful, and every step is meaningful. How can they start today to start reflecting God to their children? What do they do? It doesn't matter whether they're godly or ungodly. They're representing God to their children. That's true. That's true. That's, That's true. the point. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they believe in God or don't believe in God. They're representing God, and they're in the role of God to the small child. The small child invests the parent with godlike abilities. My dad's powerful. My mom's all-knowing, etc. This is part of normal childhood development. And as we grow, we internalize these lessons we've learned from our parents. And so Christian parents have a wisdom and an insight as they've given their heart to Christ that they have resources to pull upon in their own personal development that they can live out Christ-like principles, which will give an ever more accurate and clear picture of God, but every parent is doing this, whether they realize it or not. Hmm. And listen, parents, we have a website, comeandreason.com. There you will find a lot of resources to help you do what Dr. Jennings just said. And you can find the character of God revealed so beautifully. That character is love. And you can find the part that God plays in your heart and in the part of your children all at comeandreason.com. Lots of resources. Check it out. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, who is the founder-director of Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, who joins us today via Skype. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>